0: Hey folks, if you're listening to Talking 306, there's a good chance you'll like another podcast that I co-host. It's called Persist, and it's a podcast about improving mental health in politics and public life. My co-host Emil Shuffle and I speak with members of Parliament, MLAs, political staff, and those in public life about their mental health stories, and we try to sort out how to improve mental health in politics. As many of you may know, I used to work in Saskatchewan politics, And the issue of mental health is an issue I'm very passionate about. You can find Persist in the podcast app you're currently in, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, or online at wepersist.ca. That's wepersist.ca. Thanks. Welcome to the Talking 306 Podcast, part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, presented by 306 Media Productions. I'm the host, Dale Richardson. On this episode of the podcast, my guest is Fraser Tolme. Fraser Tollmey is currently the mayor of Moose Jaw and has served on Moose Jaw City Council since 2009. We got together yesterday to discuss his life and career, including his family's Scottish roots and history, studying war studies at King's College and his career as an officer in the Canadian Armed Forces, Moose Jaw's place in Saskatchewan, his career as a city councillor and as mayor, taking creative risks in the viral marketing campaigns for Moose Jaw that he has been an integral part of, his decision to seek the nomination for the Conservative Party of Canada in the riding of Moose Jaw Lake Centre Lanigan, and a lot more. My name is Dale Richardson, and I'm the host of the Talking 306 podcast, and this is my conversation with Mayor Fraser Tolmey. is this your office at at city hall that you're in or, or have you been, yeah. Okay. Have you been, have you been mostly there during the pandemic or has it been a mixture of taking meetings at, in the comfort of your home? Or have you been mostly at city hall?
1: Well, you know, when the pandemic really started, you know, kind of shutting everything down, I just felt that it was important for me to be in the office Mm-hmm. and have a presence. You know, we've had a lot of virtual meetings, depending on whether we were opening up or not opening up, you know, depends on the size, but you know, most of most of our interviews have been virtual. I mean, I used to go to CTV or Global. Yeah. Uh, morning interviews with them once a month or with the radio station, but not so much right now, but you know, I think it's important for me to be able to make a presence in the office. I mean, it's here for a reason. So
0: with my podcast, one of the things that that I've always tried to do is with my guests is my theory is people like to actually know a little bit about the journey that people go on to get to where they are. So you, of course, didn't, start out as the mayor of Moose Jaw, that would have been very yeah. weird. So but having said that, I, I, I don't know a ton about you. I read, you know, your bio, uh, of course, but where's where's your family from originally?
1: My family's originally from Glasgow, Scotland.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And figured, so, yeah.
1: yeah. And so my parents moved over to Canada separately, then met here. And then got engaged and then went back to Scotland and got got married and then moved back to Canada. So (laughs) uh, and then and then everybody else uh, seemed to follow suit. So, yeah, that's that that's that's my family origins. Right. Why did
0: why did they go why did they go back to to get married and then and then come back to Canada? What what was the story there? They they just wanted to get married at at home, essentially.
1: I, I think they, you know, they wanted to include their family, right? They were just, uh, you know, a young young woman and a, a young man that didn't know each other's family, and they felt that that was the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, different age back there in the '60s, right? So, yeah, they just uh, they felt that that was the right thing. So,
0: and where did and, and where did your parents live in in Canada in, in Moose Jaw or or?
1: So <clears throat> the reason why my mom moved over was because uh, my aunt had moved to Sudbury. She married a a Canadian soldier. And so she wrote to my mom and said, you know, uh, you should think about coming, moving over here. And, you know, and so she did and she stayed with them. And then, you know, she met my dad and, and, and that was that. So they originally were in Sudbury and then my dad was a carpenter by trade. And, and him and his, his, his best friend, my uncle Jimmy, decided to move to Hamilton. So they moved to Hamilton. And, and uh, that's really where they kind of set up shop. And, and so I was born in Hamilton and, and raised in a town called Dundas. She's about oh, yeah. similar size as, as Moose Jaw.
0: Yeah. So I talked to Lisa Temidas, the the head coach of the Huskies basketball team, and she, she's from Dundas as well. Did you yeah. know her? You no, know her? I
1: don't. No. Oh, no. okay.
0: Uh, I'm sure it's a big city, bigger than i would well, Dundas
1: that. is about thirty-five thousand. It's similar to. to oh, it's like Moose Jaw. Yeah, Moose Jaw, exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. very, very similar. Wow. So,
0: okay, so your dad was a carpenter, and what did what did your mother do for 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 work or?
1: Yeah, so or my mom was a hairdresser by trade, and okay. and so you know you can set up shop in your own house or you know in a in a place work or wherever. So, you know, I think she worked for Robinson's, which was a department store back then, you know, gone, gone with the Eaton's days, but, and then, you know, she also did a little bit of hairdressing at home.
0: Right. And, and, and how important were the, were the Scottish uh, roots in in your house when you were growing up? I'm assuming pretty, pretty important given that your, that your parents...
1: Yeah. So my parents split when I was two. And so uh, quite honestly, I spent a lot of time, you know, it was difficult. It was difficult times in in my early childhood. My mom, you know, I wasn't coping well, had, you know, had some mental health issues. She had just lost a baby, lost a husband, not as in like, you know, that they just split up and it was just a difficult time. And so my grandmother uh, spent a lot of time with us and uh, you know i I've, I've shared this before she was just an awesome storyteller and so she stayed with us for a little bit on and off and then she got a place of her own my grandmother and then my mom took a job working in an old age home as a hairdresser and it paid less than than what you know the welfare did but you know my mom's dignity was was on the line and she just said you know what i'm i'd rather do that than 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 live off the country so she would work one week monday to saturday and then have the next week off and it was a it was a shared position so the saturdays that she was working i would spend with my grandmother Mm -hmm. and and just you know that's where you know i learned a lot about my scottish heritage a lot of scottish history and and i've shared this that my grandmother was the greatest storyteller i've ever uh, known and and she would you know tell me stories about my grandfather about the war and and you know that was really important to me and I got a real sense of history and a, a real sense of patriotism and a real sense of love for my 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 country.
0: And what's your grandmother's name? What was her yeah. name?
1: Her name was Jean, Jeannie. We used to call her Jeannie Jones.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so your your grandfather then did did he fight in World War two was he, yeah. he was yeah yeah wow
1: yeah, and yeah. you know she, they would she would share stories you know he was on uh, home defense you know at the beginning of the war and then on the offensive he was a sniper and um, wow so yeah and and he fought alongside the Canadians and it was I'm just remember him actually telling me a story that uh, they were in a cafe in Holland and mm-hmm. they were and cafes back then obviously were, you know, they had booze and, and they were sitting there having a drink and these Canadians came running in and they're like, we've got to retreat. Uh, the, the Germans are on the counter offensive. They've got tanks and we've got to get going. So everybody's grabbing their kit and and getting ready. And the Canadians started shooting at all the bottles that were lined up on the wall and the Scots are just horrified and they're yelling, cease fire, cease fire, cease fire. And so the Canadians stopped. And one of the, the Scottish soldiers looked at them and said, you know, what are you doing? And the Canadian looked at him and he said, if we're not drinking it, they're not yeah, drinking it. Not, <laughs> you know, yeah. and my grandfather was like, oh, that's, you know, that was just brilliant. Right. <laughs> so, he, uh he had a love for the Canadians as well. right?
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming that your interest in in military stuff came obviously came from your grandfather and his influence. Yeah, I was, saw that. I know that you did a degree in in war studies, which I I think is I wish I had done that that degree in school.
1: Yeah, it's so there was a couple of a couple of factors there. Yeah, absolutely. My grandmother was a great storyteller, and she would share that you know about the war, and then you know my you know I had a a great love and ad admiration for my grandfather I grew up in you know Dundas Hamilton area and they had the Canadian Warplane Heritage Museum there and and you know every year I would go to the air shows and see the the old World War Two birds and snowbirds and whoever else was going to be at the air show and so you know you know I wanted to go to university but I just never found a, a course that I really really was interested in until I, I came across King's College and I went as a mature student. And uh, I just had an amazing time. And it was really just something that I really enjoyed and I was passionate about. Yeah, I just, uh, and, and it was a great, great experience for me.
0: Where is King's College? Is it London, Ontario or London? No, London, yeah, England. King, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, London, okay, England. So you, you went over there for that then?
1: Yeah, I was wow. over there. I was over there since 93. And and so I I, I would do that. I would do that in the the winter, right? I would, I was doing my degree. And then during the summer, I was coming back to Canada and I was doing my commercial pilot's license right? and trying to make myself, you know, just a bit more available and, and, and create that opportunity for me to get into the air force. You know, it's, it was tough, tough couple of years, right? Because you're, you're just not getting a break and, you know, you're working full time and then going to university and I was working full time and Doing my commercial pilot license at the same time. So,
0: right, you know, just to just to talk a bit about the war studies degree for for a minute, I'm I'm not kidding. I, I wish that I had known about that because I I I loved when I was in high school in particular. History twenty was my favorite class. History thirty was good as well, which which is which is Canadian history, but history twenty was both of the world wars, and I thought that that stuff was was just the best. And, uh, and then in university, I took, I took a couple of, I took a Vietnam War history class, which was amazing. And, uh, and there must've been another one. Yeah. I took, I took a number of history classes, but yeah, so I, I loved it. But you know, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with, with my partner and, and a friend of ours the other weekend, and they both thought that younger people. So I'm 33. So I'm assuming they meant like high school kids. They we were talking about about D day, because it was around, you know, Mm -hmm. that time in June 6th, And they both thought that younger people probably don't know what that is anymore. And that Mm kind of blew my mind that a that that wouldn't even be taught in history in in classes anymore. Or that just, you know, the younger generation wouldn't know what that is. And that kind of I, I didn't believe that, but do you, do you, do you agree with that? What, what's your sense?
1: Well, I, I know, and I'm really proud of our community that, you know, when Remembrance Day comes, yeah. that there is a very, very large turnout in, in mm-hmm. Moose Jaw for Remembrance Day. I think that there's a real sense of history and a real sense of gratitude by the Canadian people to want to, you know, to continue to pass on that legacy of of, of what people actually went through and, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I never c- cease to be amazed by the next generation. Mm. You know, and, I, and I'll share this little story. I know it's probably a sidebar to the history, and we'll come back to it. But I remember following a kid, and he was on his cell phone, and he had his head down, and he's looking at it, and and um, and we're coming to the doors at the mall, and you know, this kid's just got his head, you know. Typically all, all on the phone, right? Well, he stopped, put the phone in his pocket and opened the door and then held the door for me. Mm. And I was like, wow, you know, and I said, thank you. And then he ran up to get, you know, there's a double door and he yeah, ran up yeah. to get to the other door. And, and then he said, you know, you're welcome, sir. And well, that kind of made me angry because I felt like it made me older, yeah. <laughs> but I was amazed. You know that I I had written this kid off, and he had just—he was completely—he was, you know, he knew his manners. He was—he was holding doors for people, and I just thought, wow, you know, this is amazing. And we so easily want to write off the next generation, and we put them in a box, and 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 we put them in a box, but we tell them that they're they're there's so many opportunities for them and don't to don't categorize yourself in a box and yeah. you know blue sky everything and and yet we're so quickly the ones to do that uh, and um, but you know i know that you know there's efforts in in grade schools to be able to share you know the war now whether it's d-day the d-day invasion or or whether it's just you know, the war itself, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think there's an effort to be made there.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I certainly hope so. And I didn't mean to say that I was writing off, you know, younger generations. I mean, my God, I'm only 30, 32 myself. I I feel like I'm should be still younger than that. But yeah, it was, it it was just an interesting conversation. And and I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, just based on your, your studies and, and your background. So yeah i i mean
1: i so my area of you know i i did do the war walks i did go over to europe i did see you know men and gate and the memorial there i i have been to vimy ridge uh, what an amazing monument there and then you know obviously I've, I've done some world war ii tours as well and there's so many in britain right because of you know churchill's bunker and and uh an Imperial War Museum there, and, and Hendon, the, uh, the RAF Museum, is an, is an amazing uh, place to visit. You know, I, and I, sh- I share that with my kids, you know, just so that they, they're able to, to know a little bit. But I, you know, quite honestly, I, you know, in my last year, I studied Vietnam, you know and south southeast pacific from the 50s right i wanted to do middle east but um, the professor at that time had taken a sabbatical so it wasn't wasn't available to me but yeah i just i, I loved you know reading you know throughout the ages in history of, of what you know you know how how did we get to this spot here, and then how do we continue on?
0: So you do the the degree at King's College, and then did you go into the military? Because I I know that that you were an officer and in, the, in yeah. the Canadian military.
1: So I came to, uh, I came back to Canada and I applied to the the Air Force. It took them a couple of years, paperwork to to get through, and and I started serving in 2003. I did. So you do your basic officer training in in um, Saint Jean, Quebec, mm-hmm. and and then I was uh, what they call an OJT, on the job training, where I went to a fighter squadron up in Bagotville. So I was on 433 and also 425 because they did a merger of the two squadrons. And then part of the training program was coming out to Ridge and and then Moose John, that's where I met my wife. So, yeah, and I, you know, I started getting older, you know, I put in all this time and and, and wasn't (laughs) performing so well in airplanes and my body was, you know, feeling beat up. So, you know, it was it was, you know, time to call it a day. But, you know, when when I looked at my life, I just thought, you know. I've moved around so much and I've I don't really have the roots here or don't have the roots and so my wife and I decided that we were going to stay in Moose Jaw and I just didn't know what kind of opportunities we were going to present themselves but shortly after leaving the military I was I was on city council you know right. within 3 months or something like that so
0: But you so you were ba- you were based at CFB Moose Jaw
1: yeah, yeah,
0: I see, I see. Yeah, and 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 had had you been at other like what other places around Canada had you had you been stationed? Yeah, before, so like, I was, was in Bagotville,
1: there. like I said, and yeah. then your Portage. You do some training, uh, sea survival training, out in Comox. Uh, mm-hmm. and My then parents used all- to
0: live in Comox. They were there for yeah. the last fifteen years. Just yeah. moved back down the lake. Oh, yeah.
1: And then the weather's uh, a bit of a change. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then you do some training out of Winnipeg, actually just north of Winnipeg. You know, I I, I take my hat off to anybody that whether they're an officer or, or a non-commissioned officer, the, the training program and syllabus, it's it's pretty intense and, and, and it's very, very good. I think we've got a lot of very good officers and, you know, it's uh, something that we should be proud of always, you know, of our Canadian military.
0: So, so why did why did you and your wife ultimately decide that that Moose Jaw was going to be the be the place to to stay permanently?
1: Well, for me, it felt like uh, felt like Dundas. It was you know uh, similar size. You know, we we had just bought a house. You know, her family was here, and I just uh, I you know for some reason, we just felt like this was the right place to, to be. Our, our church was here, our, our, we had quite a few friends and, and then, you know, I was able to get a job. And, and like I said, uh, within three months I was on city council. So I was able to, you know, that's what I love about Moose Jaw and and Saskatchewan is, is people just welcome you, you know, you're, you're part of it, you know, you're, you're just within the community and, and you know what, you've got to, you got to make the effort and when you do people like appreciate that
0: you know right where did you work what was that job that you got after you
1: oh had- i so i was working for moose jaw toyota i'd never sold cars before but you know what i i i love cars right i mean i love yeah. cars i love airplanes i love motorcycles i ride a motorcycle i so yeah i mean it was just interesting it was just something to add to my you know resume and uh, you know i did it and you know, I just, I did. I found it very, very interesting. I, I still every once in a while I'll go into a dealership and you know ask how their sales are going and look at cars and yeah. and uh, so yeah, I, I just it's it's just something that's fun. But I only did it for a couple of years and and uh, like I said, I was on council and, and yeah, had a good time. So,
0: so what was the decision like to to run for council? Because that was two thousand nine. Is that right? That that yeah. was your your first term? Yeah, obviously. So I, Obviously, yeah. there's a there's there's an ongoing theme of public service for you. Yeah, that's that's pretty clear, I think, for everybody.
1: Yeah. So I I we went to a wedding, and my wife and I were driving, and and uh, there was another kind of job opportunity that had presented itself. And my wife said to me, "Look, you know what? I I just feel that you know this is probably an opportunity that you should be pursuing. You know, you're you're good at public speaking." You're passionate about the community in which you live in. And, you know, I, I think that this is something that I, I can support you in. And so we took some time, and and when we were driving back, I said, okay, I'm going to put my name forward, and I'm going to get the signatures done. And, and so I just did it. And, you know, quite honestly, I was, I was surprised that I was, you know, successful. I didn't finish at the top of the polls. You know, I think I was second last. But, you know what? I had I had a, a you know a strong platform. I wanted to promise people good things and and work hard on those things and and I believe I adhere to that.
0: Mm.
1: You know I think that's important. You know we're so easily led or led astray by these pitches and you've got to have reasonable goals when you're when you're when you're in public office that you know people can say okay that's attainable and I believe that and. And so I don't feel like they're overselling, right? Because that's where I think a lot of people get very disenchanted with the electoral system where they go, well, I thought they said this or I thought they meant this. And I always use this mantra. It's not what you say. It's what people hear. And you have to make sure that uh, you're clearly communicating and that you've got it written down.
0: So you, you were elected mayor in 2016, and I guess I can ask you about why you decided to run for mayor instead of council again. But one of the questions that I that I have, and because I've I've been involved in in politics, and that's where this question is coming from. And I'm thinking about the recent news about that you're running for the for the CPC nomination, and we'll talk about that at the end. But one of the things that comes up from time to time in municipal politics is that it shouldn't be partisan, right? Mm-hmm. And you hear this every election. You heard it in Saskatoon last fall where, you know, was Rob Norris, you know, how was he affiliated and Charlie Clark. My opinion is that it is that if anybody says that, that municipal politicians don't have an, have a partisan affiliation in some way or have some political leanings, that's total BS because I I would say that 90% of people running municipally have either, voted a certain way or they've maybe donated or they've gone door knocking or, or done some some involvement i guess but notwithstanding that and what what do you see as the role of of mayor and in terms of independence in particular
1: hmm. well so you know quite honestly I, I, that's a, a very good question and a, and it probably takes some time to kind of chew over it and you know get through it but so when I ran and so I ran for mayor in 2012 and I was unsuccessful I lost by 594 votes
0: okay I didn't know that
1: and then the big cast iron water main replacement came up and people in the community just felt like they weren't being heard and you know it's quite funny I went out to uh, grocery store one day and someone said hey listen we've been talking about you and we want you to run for mayor and it's like oh man you know then I went out with my lawyer the next day for lunch and he's like what's it going to take for you to run for mayor and I'm like mm. you know wow so the community started you know you know talking so that that's what really kind of motivated me to run in 2016 and because I wanted to make changes I, I didn't run a very good campaign I didn't like the campaign that I had run in 2012 wasn't really me and and that was that was it was good experience for me to learn to too be able many to say,
0: consultants getting involved in it
1: yeah just to yeah. say hey you know what you are the message and and you need to be who you are rather than this neurotic trying to you know say things that are just not that don't sit right with you so as as for partisan politics when you're when you're a mayor you know you go in there with okay what are the issues and it doesn't matter what your political stripe is You've got to address those issues, and they're very different from what provincial and federal issues are. Mm -hmm. We deal with water. We deal with parks. We deal with roads. We get 8% of the taxation, and the provincial and federal governments get 92%. And so we have to really look at what we're doing, and you have to look at, okay, what is going to be important for a community? And so when you look at that, there are things that, you know, would probably, you know, you know, you want to have nice parks because you want kids to be outside. You want people to enjoy their park space. You know, whose political stripe? What does that matter? You know, you want to be fiscally responsible. So we've got like $115 million in reserves that, you know, we're just collecting interest in bonds, well, you know, my opinion is is that we start an investment committee and start getting a better return for the citizens of Moose Jaw, which reduces the tax load or increases the amount of infrastructure to maximize your dollars. Whose political stripe? What does that matter? You know, and what you're just basically dealing with is common sense when you get to a different level of politics there's just different values because there's different issues that that come come about and so yeah i mean i've i've tried as best as i can to address everything with a common sense approach i've not always got my way you know i've been voted down and you know but at the end of the day i'm the voice my spokesperson for the council mm-hmm. and so when i look at it i go okay i have to be reasonable here and instead of trying to Uh, fight the council say okay the majority is one that is the democratic system in which we live in I'm the voice and I will have to be the voice and I will support this as best as I can
0: you know and and it's it's good that you 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 mentioned that about being the the spokesperson for council because one of the things in my opinion about being being a mayor is that because there aren't the, you know, kind of the partisan labels, like you're, you're not the mayor for the, for the Conservative Party or, 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 the, or the Saskatchewan Party or the NDP or the Liberals, because you don't have those constraints, you're able to work a bit outside of the normal way of doing things. And, and what I mean by that is you're able to do things like the, like the great ad about the traveling politicians that you did a few months back, or you're able to do the, do the moose war, yeah. Those are things in my opinion and because I used to work in politics when I saw those I thought that is great mm-hmm. because in the world that I came from taking and I would say doing those things in particular were taking a chance but they worked out for you and because of that it was I thought it was great but you were able to to do those because you're the mayor and I mean, a city councilor could have done it. They could have been the spokesperson for those things, but you did it, and and I thought it worked. There's a sense of freedom, I think, for politicians at the local level, particularly mayors, where you don't have tons of advisors and staff saying, "No, there's too much risk to you doing this amazing ad yeah. that pokes fun of you know politicians going to Mexico in a pandemic."
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Well- well and and again so know that everything that I've done has been calculated right
0: so Oh no for sure I'm 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 certain that it has been
1: Yeah and so what we did you know I think one of the things that you you need to have as a conversation when you're part of a team or an organization is as a values conversation I've always said that And so what I did was I knew where I wanted to go and I just sometimes you need to wait for the pieces to fall into place to get you there. And so what I did was I, I realized that the city of Moose had a strategic plan that was on a piece of paper that was completely vanilla. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down with our, our team and I said, look, this is what we need to do. We need to include the Chamber of Commerce, the Downtown Business Group, Tourism, and City Hall – to come up with a strategic plan a community strategic plan because anytime city hall goes and does something everybody goes well why are you doing that well it's in our strategic plan well what's your strategic plan so you've yeah. got to explain it yeah and if you're explaining you're losing so the best way to overcome that is by getting people included and it's slow, but democracy is slow. Everybody thinks democracy is fast. And i met so many people that are in the business community who think, oh, you know, I, I would be great and I can eliminate bureaucracy and I can do this yeah. and I can do that. No, you've got to be inclusive. That's It's about winning people over. Or in, and you do that by informing them or keeping them educated. And so that's what we did. We did a community strategic plan, and we had met a, a gentleman – by the name of Doug Griffiths and at the Summa convention. And so my counselors were texting me like, this guy's got to be the guy. I'm like, completely agree. Uh, the guy to do, to do your strategic plan, you know, yeah, to be, okay. you know, okay, sure. yeah. And so we did, you know, but what I did was I wanted everybody included. I didn't want it just to be city hall. And we did that and it was amazing. But then we also did that with our marketing, with the branding. and and so that's what we did we included a gentleman by the name of gare maxwell and that's where all the the moose wars came off and 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 then you know the bathrobe he called me he says frazier i got this idea i just see you with cucumbers on your eyes in the spa and calling out all these politicians and i'm like boom i've got the script i mean we did it with john ham right i don't know if you saw the john ham commercial with the you know the new canada kind of thing and there's just some of those things can come to me quite easily but yeah so we well, put it, that all together
0: it take and to your credit i think it 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 takes courage from politicians and you know even even you know municipal politicians it takes courage to have somebody pitch those ideas to you yeah and for you to say i like it yeah there's probably going to be some people on twitter that will say oh what is he doing you know this you know politicians shouldn't be doing something like this but you know it was fantastic and it worked and and so credit to you I think.
1: Well, and and our tourism numbers yeah. went up and the businesses and and then when we <laughs> took the video down, I got a call and they're like, you know,
0: why did you take it down?
1: Why did you take it down? I didn't. I didn't. It was tourism that took it down because of you know we had you know we were on the verge of a lockdown. So, but oh. you know that that's fine. That's 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 okay. I mean. We had disclaimers and, you know, you do all those things, right? People are so quick to, to judge and I've said that. So am I. You know, I told you about the yeah. kid with, at, at the mall. But, you know, I've, I've found that you don't win political battles on Facebook or Twitter. And I keep it to, you know, my public debates. And, and I understand that people have different opinions and whether that's motivated by the fact that they like me or don't like me is up to them.
0: Yeah. Well, I thought it was fantastic. So do, do more ads like that. I, I I will, I will be supportive. What, what is Moose Jaw's place in Saskatchewan? Where does it, where does it fit in? Is it a, you know, is it the Banff to Regina's Calgary? Is it a, I mean, it's obviously, you know, you know, very tourism driven with the, with the spa and, you know, things like that. And, What's your, what's your sense of it? Where, where does the city fit in in the province? Well,
1: I, I really think right now that we are going to be an economic driver for the province. And there's there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, we've, we've attracted over a billion dollars worth of investment into the community in the last four years, whether it's been the uh, SAS power station, which we weren't even considered for, that we fought and fought and fought to get. And, you know, we've got new developments like Canadian tire and more, more announcements coming. And just recently the Buffalo pound water treatment plant. So I think one of the things that, that we've done in, in this last five years is, is that we can achieve things. Mm -hmm. And so we've broken the glass ceiling there. And I think we've, we've, what I've wanted to do is I wanted to set ourselves apart You know, when you look at different communities and you go and you look at their brochures, it'll say it's a nice place to raise a family, great amenities, lots of recreational space, you know, uh, quality of living. Everybody says that same thing. I said to our team, we need to separate ourselves. We We need to put a hook in. You need to market yourself, brand yourself. That's why we've done all those things, to set yourself apart so that you look, you know, people go, oh, that's completely different, you know. I've read everybody else's and they're pretty much the same. But Moose Jaw says, wow, you know, you know, we've got this. So one of the things that we're looking at is that we're being a, a, a strong economic driver. We're tracking businesses and we're going to continue to do that. And I see that that we're on that trajectory. We do know that tourism is a major pull for our community and we're raising our profile so that people go – you know what? I've heard about this place. I want to, you know, I want to be that place. I know that there was a morning show in Toronto that when Harry and Megan were looking to live, one of the talk show hosts said, it should be Moose Jaw, right? Because we're getting our name out there. (laughs) Right. And, and, and so So that
0: that would have been news if the, if the, if that couple had moved to to your city.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, three bathrobes for for both of them. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it, it's just. But those are the things that we're looking to do, and and so we're defining our identity by saying, okay, we are Canada's most notorious city. We've got a we've got a checkered past, and that is going to benefit us tourism wise. But we've got a great future ahead of us, and we're going to you know just attract more tourist dollars here, but we're also looking at expanding our tourism industry and so we're looking at other ways within our community to bring people here because we've got other stories to tell and it's about telling the story right people are interested in telling the story it's so like I told you my grandmother was the greatest storyteller I've ever known so
0: yeah is the is the hope to get more permanent jobs like good permanent jobs in moose jaw so that because i know a, like a number of people that i'm friends with or or colleagues with they they commute from moose jaw into regina and i'm and i'm sure that you you know many people that do that as well is, yeah. is the hope to you know get the more kinds of jobs in moose jaw so that those people aren't commuting in every day
1: well, you know, we've we've got a potential slogan. You know, work in Regina, spend your money in Moose Jaw. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, your marketing people are, are hard at work. That's well, good. all the time. Yeah, all the time.
1: <laughs> it's it's about capturing dollars. That's what that's what that's the largest contributor to the global economy is the consumer. Yeah. Right. If people don't know that then, you know, they don't really understand and that's why there's so many efforts to marketing and branding and, and communicating who you are. But uh yeah, I mean we want good paying jobs. We wanna expand our tax base and and to be able to alleviate the burden on, you know, some of the existing taxpayers and you wanna have good jobs that are are there. But you know, one of the things that I've always said and I learned this very very early on when I was when I was younger that that in sales you don't want to just have one client because if you lose that client then you don't eat. Yeah. But if you've got 10 and you lose one, mm-hmm. you can still eat. And so that's how I want to diversify our our economy here in the city of Mostar.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, Good luck with it. Let's let's talk about the news from last week about that you're going to run for the for the Conservative Party nomination. And oh, I keep mixing up that Moose Jaw Lake is a Moose Jaw Lake Center. There's yeah. there's a, there's another one too. Lanigan, there? yeah, Moose, Lanigan. Moose
1: okay. yeah, Moose Jaw Center, Lake Lanigan. Who's yeah. who's
0: the current member of Parliament there?
1: It's uh, Tom lakiski
0: Oh, that's Tom. C. okay, and and, yeah. and of course he's he's retiring. Yeah. After uh, after a lengthy career. Okay, so. First of all, what what happened? Because I read that the that the association blocked you from running in the in the last, in twenty fifteen uh, or something.
1: Yeah, just a little bit of you know a little bit of history there, but I mean it's all water under the bridge. It's okay. just you know just some misunderstandings, but you know at the end of the day, I've been able to bounce back. And, and, you know, I've I've proved myself as a mayor and, and I've got a great working relationship with, with Tom. He's been able to uh, help us on a number of files. And so, you know, it's, it's just those things happen, right? It's like, I'm married and, you know, sometimes my wife and I don't get along.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Tell me about it. Okay. Yeah. So Tom, Tom announces that he's, that he's not going to run again in the next election, which very well could be this fall. I think everybody kind of thinks that that that's going to happen so why why decide this time you know you you've been elected twice as mayor it seems like you're like you enjoy that job quite a bit yeah. as we talked about you have the freedom let, let's call it that to kind of work outside the box a little bit particularly with the with the marketing stuff and you know keep doing your 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 good work on council why what what's drawing you to at, at least try and get the nomination and then you know, presumably, you know, easily yeah. win the general election?
1: I Well, I, I think there's a, a number of factors that are in this. You know, I, I believe I want to contribute to not only the community in which my kids are growing up in, but also the country in which my kids are growing up in. You know, I've got an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old daughter who I – you know, absolutely love and, and I want to be able to serve in a capacity. And I, and I believe that, you know, they'll look to that. They'll look at that in the future and realize that, you know, that, that daddy was serving for a, for a bigger reason, right? Not just, not just, you know, yeah, I just, I just feel that that's important. I think that's important. You know, I, I've shared this story and it's, it is on my, my Facebook page and on my my website and it and it's about you know the story about my grandmother and how she was the greatest storyteller and and I used to you know like I said, spend my Saturdays and I'd ask her, you know grandma, tell me a story and so this one story really made an impact and, and really stood out for me was that she was evacuating from Glasgow because Glasgow was being bombed because it was a shipbuilding city right a major city, major center. And so she needed to evacuate to Dumfries, and she had all of her belongings in this suitcase, and my mother, who was about three, and they were going through the train station. It was hustle and bustle, airmen, servicemen, soldiers. And this Australian soldier came along and picked up my mom, picked up the suitcase and escorted her to the train. And uh, there was two British soldiers sitting there in the, in the, in the train, and um, he said, you know, if the air raid siren goes off, I want you to help this lady and her daughter to the air raid shelter. Yes, sir. And he bids her good day. Well, not 30 seconds goes by, and the air raid siren goes, and these two British soldiers are gone. And my uh, grandmother, who's, you know, just under five foot, is trying to get up and get her suitcase from the top, you know, shelf. And my mom starts panicking. This guy comes back. The Australian officer comes back escorts her and they, they wait till the air raid sh- uh, siren goes off and they all clear and so they can't go anywhere because they don't know whether the tracks are bombed and so he says you know where can I take him she says I'm going to go to my aunts but my great aunts pardon me and, and my my grandmother's sister and so they're in a very very small flat in Glasgow and they invite them in for tea and you know, he's looking around and he realizes there's the, the bed, there's the kitchenette, there's the bathroom, you know, it, there's nothing here. And he looks at my grandmother and he says, is this what your husband's fighting for?
0: Mm.
1: And I I used to think about that story and, you know, I said, Grandma, tell me that story again. And then it wasn't until I, you know, was older that I realized it wasn't what he was fighting for. My grandfather was fighting for the people in that room. It was who he was fighting for, and a way of life. And so he made a sacrifice to move my parents, or to for a better life for my mom, who also made a sacrifice to come over to Canada and make a better life. And and I think that you know we always want the quick way through life, but I think there's something to the service and sacrifice that's important. And and so. It doesn't matter what level of politics you're in. You make those sacrifices and you serve in a capacity, and that's how I feel about the federal level. There's a there's an opportunity here for me to bring a skill set to a different level of government, and I feel that um, that this is the right opportunity for me, and, and I would do that.
0: Do you do you think that? Let me just play devil's advocate, and and obviously, uh, you know, you're going to run, but. In terms of making tangible impacts on people's lives, the federal level, I think most people, and you may disagree with me, and if you do, please disagree with me. Yeah. People might think that at the federal level, there's the, the tangible changes or impact that politicians or, or government can make are not as, they're not seen as as closely as, particularly at a local level, where you know you and your capacity as mayor and previously on, on council, you know local level people, you know, with garbage pickup and snow clearing and you know property taxes that they pay every month or every year, I guess. Yeah. Uh, or even even provincially, where you know healthcare, education, social services, highways maintenance. Those are I would say tangible, you know, day to day policy, you know, policies that that those politicians can, can change on a, on a, on a regular basis. Federal, in my opinion, it's much more kind of a, it's a broader scope in terms of that. What, what do you think about that?
1: I wouldn't completely disagree with you. And, and I think part of it is, is that we need to be doing a better job of informing um, the people within our country, what the decisions of our impacts are, you know, the, the impacts of our decision. And, and so I think that's, you know, very, very important. And we don't, what we don't want is we don't want Ottawa to be a separate entity from the riding of Moose Jaw Lake Center Lanigan that we're going to Ottawa to represent. And so, you know, that is so important that your voice is heard, that you listen, that you share, that you And, and we can't write it off. And so can we do a better job? Absolutely. And, and do the decisions that are made in Ottawa impact the lives of everyone? Absolutely. But it's how do you recognize those in your day to day life? And I think that's very important. And that's where we've got to do a better job. And, and so, you know, I try and bring everything down to for my own way of communicating so that people can say, okay, this impacts me on my daily life. Right. Right. You're right. Garbage cans. You miss garbage for one week. People will, you know, call you, you know, don't mess oh, with yeah. their garbage. <laughs> don't mess with their recycling. You forget to plow their street. Yeah. yeah it happens. And, and, but that's important to them. And so should everything else in whether it's the provincial level or the federal level. And and I think it, it is, it's a, it's a monster to try and uh, manage, right, because you've got so many voices that want us to this uh, area. But, you know, I believe it's doable.
0: And how is, how is your relationship with the, with the farming community in your constituency? Because obviously that, that'll, I'm assuming, take up a big chunk of, of the members that will, that will vote on yeah. the nomination.
1: Well, y- you know what? This, the city of Moose Jaw doesn't exist without farmers. I mean, that's how we came into being, right? Everything, we're like an, we're like a, either an end user or the middleman. And mm-hmm. so everything that I have done in, in the last few years with, you know, trying to grow the city is, you know, is based on agriculture. You know, we've just had an announcement of a $222.8 million investment from the federal and provincial government, including the city of Musha and the city of Regina to re, uh, to fix Buffalo Pound water treatment plant. Well, we're not the only ones. Moose Jaw and Regina aren't the only ones that use the Buffalo Pound water treatment plant. It's the surrounding communities, and that impacts their water rates. You know, the premier and I had a meeting, I would say, very late 2016, early 2017, about the upper Capel water irrigation system. And, you know, that was something that I was pushing with uh, the former mayor of Regina, you know, our, our MPs and, and our local region, because having a sustainable water source during dry seasons means that you've got uh, steady crops, right? And that you have that as a base, then you can create ag value added businesses within the community that will you know, put the shovel in the ground because they know that, you know, there's not going to be a dry spell that they've got access to water and you're going to be, the farmers are going to be able to deliver on the water. And so that $4 billion announcement, you know, is a lot of you know pushing and and prodding to get that done. So we're excited about that.
0: Yeah. Good. Any, just as we wrap up, we're, we're kind of getting onto 10 30 here. Any, any calls or concerns from people in Moose Jaw saying, you know, in the course of the last week that, you know, hey, we are nom- or, or we, we elected you for another full term as mayor, and you know, maybe you know, we're happy that you're going to be seeking this nomination, but we kind of wanted you for another four years. <laughs> and anybody saying things like that?
1: Well, yeah, I, actually, the the comments that I've had are are been very very generous. You know, yeah. we don't want you to leave, and we're just you know, it it's been very very nice. You know, when I had one person, I was out for a walk, and they pulled up, they stopped their truck and his wife, and he said, I'm not voting for you. I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay as mayor. It's great (laughs) having you as mayor. And and that's very, very nice. You know, I'm sure there's going to be other people that are going to have different opinions. But, you know, I I just feel that I would be able to represent this riding, you know, with the hard work and and effectiveness that we've been able to show. And people want a track record. They want to know, hey, the person that we're voting for. When they put a promise down or they put a platform down they do everything that they can to make sure that that lines up and I've done that with you know two terms and and also with my my term on council
0: mr. mayor th- thanks for taking the the time to, to talk to to me basically since you did that that Temple Gardens at you've been on my list and I, and I've wanted to, to chat to you You've you've been very generous with your time, and uh, it was it was great chatting to you. And good good luck with the nomination race, and uh, and and have a good summer. Yeah.
1: any uh, anytime you want to give me a shout, okay. uh, please do so, Dale. I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. so much.
0: Thanks a lot. Take care. All right. Bye bye. That's it for this episode. Thanks very much to Mayor Fraser me for joining me. It was great to meet him and to chat a bit about his life and what's going on in moose jaw and his upcoming nomination thanks to the saskatchewan podcast network which is home to over 30 original saskatchewan podcasts thanks to connexus direct west sask energy and the government of saskatchewan for supporting the network with ads this month and thanks to my friends at path co-work in regina for sponsoring the talking 306 podcast don't forget to follow or subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app and tell your friends and family about the podcast That's it for this episode. See you next time. The Talking 306 podcast is a member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, which is supported by Conexus. Wellness, however you define it, is achievable. You don't even need to figure it all out yourself. Talk to Conexus. They'll give you guidance, motivation, and the push you need to reach your goals. They've got you. They're your financial partner, and they know you can achieve your very best, your financial best. Prove them right. Start right at Connexus Credit Union. The Saskatchewan Podcast Network is also supported by Direct West. Is marketing getting in the way of running your business? Direct West has a local expert team right here in Saskatchewan that will work with you to build your website exactly how you imagine it. Let them help you improve your online presence and head to directwest.com to learn more. The government of Saskatchewan would like drivers to be careful in work zones this summer. If you come across a work zone on the highway, there could be construction or maintenance activities in progress. Make sure you drive carefully and watch for workers or equipment on the road. Even if workers are present, you should always slow to 60 in a work zone. That's because hazards could still exist like rough road, a sharp drop off the pavement, or loose stones. See the signs, know the facts, slow to 16 work zones. It's the safe thing to do. And finally, Sask Energy is reminding you to click before you dig this summer. If you're working on a project in your yard, make sure you know what's below. Always plan ahead. Get a line locate for any digging projects this summer. Like if you happen to be building a deck or maybe a new fence like I did last summer. Visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to request your free line locate today. Hitting an underground utility line can be costly and dangerous. Again, that's clickbeforeyoudig.com to request your free line locate today.